Informing America's farmers and ranchers, it's Adams on Agriculture, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. And hello, everyone. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Thank you for joining us. Wow, another busy day. Today in the news, another White House shakeup. You really need a program to keep track of who's at the White House these days. Tillerson out as Secretary of State, Mike Pompeo in. In other news, Syngenta agrees to a $1.5 billion settlement on corn trait litigation. USDA sets the final date for withdrawal of organic animal welfare rule. And Greg Dowd has been sworn in as Chief Ag Negotiator. Plenty going on, and someone who's in our nation's capital with a group of farmers from the state of Illinois taking it all in and actively talking with folks at on Capitol Hill, Rod Weinzerl, Executive Director of the Illinois Corn Growers Association. Rod, thanks for joining us. How are things in Washington, D.C.? You know, they're cold. You know, <laughs> usually in March, uh, D.C. is kind of like 10 or 20 degrees better than what it is back in central Illinois, and it, it is cold out here, yeah. Temperatures are cold, but the uh, news is hot. Lots going on, as I mentioned. Uh, tell us about your group. You have a good-sized group out there? So we have uh, the Illinois Corn Growers Board of Directors out here, and we usually coordinate every year with Wisconsin Corn Growers. They have their board out here, and the Ohio uh, board is coming in here uh, around noon today. So we've been doing agency visits and other NGO uh, visits with Wisconsin Corn, and here at noon then we'll start each meeting with our uh, each of our delegations. Okay, let me just take a, a wild guess. What might be one of the big topics of discussion for your group could be the RFS, I'm guessing. Uh, yeah, the Renewable Fuel Standard is, uh, is, is getting a lot of discussion, uh, especially with, you know, other biofuels groups. And uh, uh, we've had several meetings in USDA uh, yesterday and this morning. Uh, as well as uh, I think we have a meeting here a little bit later this morning with the Department of Energy. Are you getting any sense of what might happen on this, picking up on anything? Uh, the meeting yesterday that we thought was going to happen at the White House was, was postponed. Uh, any word that you're hearing on potential caps on RENs? Well, uh, meetings meetings and conversations are continuing. Uh, we believe there'll be a meeting later today over at USDA uh, with the different uh, biofuels interests, uh, biodiesel folks, American soybeans, uh, RFA, growth, national corn growers, uh, and some other companies just uh, kind of go through what's all being uh, talked about and looking at different scenarios based on what happens at different uh, levels of caps. Of course, Senator Cruz uh, has offered a, 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 a cap on wins, and this isn't for the little small songbird. This is uh, paper-traded gallons that allow refineries to meet their obligation of the renewable fuel standard. Um, he's proposing a $0.10 cent per gallon cap. Um, and he argues that he's got the interests of small refineries in mind as he does that. Well, that, that pretty much will decimate biodiesel, and it will severely curtail, if not cause, some market share loss of uh, ethanol, if that was to proceed. So your position is you oppose any caps on RENs, is that correct? Uh, our position is we oppose any caps on RENs. We believe that as the market continues to expand, whether it's biodiesel or corn-based ethanol, and for ethanol, of course, uh, blends of ethanol above uh, 10% blends, that that puts more RENs in the marketplace. You know, it's a classic supply-demand situation. As there's more supply of RENs out there in the marketplace, the price will come down. So. If the petroleum industry really wants to lower the price of of RENs, all they have to do is use more biofuels, and that and that will cause that to happen. We're talking with Rod Weinzerl, executive director of the Illinois Corn Growers Association, leading a delegation in our nation's capital this week. Rod, I would imagine uh, your delegation will also want to have some conversations about Farm Bill while you're there. That's. 
That's right, uh, Mike. We uh, met yesterday with uh, Senate Ag Minority Staff. Uh, we just had a meeting this morning with House Ag Majority Staff, uh, Chairman Conaway's staff, talking about uh, crop insurance and conservation programs. And um, the House still seems to be on track of trying to put a chairman's mark, uh, a farm bill, out for discussion yet uh, here in the next week or so, uh, or perhaps it would slip past uh, Easter break, uh, which is the last week of March and the first week of April. Uh, Senate, um, yesterday they were thinking they're running about four weeks behind the House, so maybe something towards the end of April or the very first part of May is kind of what timing looks like now, at least relative to the uh, chairman of uh, the House and the Senate. We are hearing of a pretty big uh, divide between Republicans and Democrats on the House and even on the House Ag Committee over food stamps. Are you hearing anything on that out there? Yep. Uh, House uh, Republican staff talked about that a little bit. Uh, they felt there was a divide, maybe not quite as as far apart as what um, was being discussed, um, and that's kind of why they're hedging as to you know whether they can pull everything kind of back together here yet this week or next, or whether it takes a couple more weeks um, through Easter recess uh, to get everything kind of pulled together. They had a good working relationship up until recently, and, and then things kind of went awry. So they're hoping to get that back on track and to get a get a chairman's mark uh, again sometime here at the very end of March or, or uh, the second week of April. And I would also guess real quick, Rod, that your delegation concerned about uh, tariffs and possible retaliation on agriculture. Yeah, we had, uh, we had a team of folks that met with the Japanese industry uh, embassy and then also uh, the Canadian and the Mexican embassies. Uh, of course, Japanese, the Japanese folks, they would still like to see us uh, reconsider, uh, even if there maybe was some changes, uh, the U.S. coming back into the Trans-Pacific Partnership. Um, and the Canadian and Mexican embassy uh, they're continuing to uh, hope that, you know, a NAFTA, NAFTA 2.0 is successfully negotiated, and that puts that back on track. Um, but with the, with the threats of uh, uh, tariffs, uh, there was a tariff put on um, washing machines and solar panels here about three weeks ago. And the first thing that happened was that China put a tariff on sorghum, and the sorghum farmers in the U.S. lost a quarter of their exports here uh, as a result of that tariff on solar panels and and washing machines. And now with the discussion of a tariff on steel and aluminum, uh, a lot of concern that uh, maybe soybeans would be the ag commodity that is retaliated against. Um, but that, that has not yet happened, and hopefully it will not happen. Okay, Rod. Uh, Thanks. Yes. All right. Rod Wanzero, Executive Director of Illinois Corn Growers. Thank you, Rod. Appreciate it. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Fastline.com is changing the equipment buying game. Fastline has just released its newest feature, the price comparison tool. The price comparison tool is the first of its kind in the ag equipment market. It's designed to help quickly compare equipment by price, make, and model. Using the price comparison tool, you can see if an item is below, above, or right at average price for similar equipment. Use this game changer right now at FastLine.com. Tired of yesterday's missed weeds becoming today's big problem? Get rid of missed weeds for good with Liberty, the herbicide that puts an end to missed weeds, guaranteed. Plus, Liberty is proven effective on tough-to-control and resistant grasses and broadleaf weeds. So choose Liberty, the simply better solution for superior weed control. Backed by the Liberty Weed Control Guarantee. Talk to your retailer to learn how you can qualify for the Liberty Guarantee. Always read and follow label directions. ESN is a responsive nitrogen. That means it does something amazing. This. That's the sound of ESN getting ready. Carefully, quietly calculating the exact moment to respond to your plant's needs. Why is that amazing? 
because while other nitrogen might denitrify, volatilize, or leach away, ESN stays put inside its polymer coating, saving your nitrogen investment until the same triggers that spur plant growth tell ESN it's time to get busy and deliver the nitrogen your plants need. And ESN's controlled release technology means your plants get season-long feeding. Remember, when it comes to nitrogen, this beats and every time. Effective nitrogen, that's a given. Responsive nitrogen, that's amazing. That's ESN. Go to smartnitrogen.com to learn more. Reason number 12 why you should own a Thermospas hot tub? They require no attachment to your home's plumbing. Thanks to the Thermospas unique built-in thermofiltration system that filters the water an incredible 144 times a day, you simply fill it with a garden hose and your water stays crystal clear with very little maintenance. Call to receive your free DVD videos and brochure and find out how you can own a Thermospas hot tub for only a few dollars a day. Right now, they're offering 0% APR financing with approved credit and a $1,250 savings coupon, including free delivery, free chemicals, and a cash discount. And with models starting at $4,995, there will never be a better time to own a Thermospas hot tub. So call now and ask about this limited time offer. Call Thermospas today at 800-991-5852 for your free DVD videos and brochure. That's 800-991-5852. Thermospas, hot tubs designed to improve your life. Call 800-991-5852 today to take advantage of 0% APR financing. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. And our thanks to Rod Weinzerl, Executive Director of the Illinois Corn Growers Association, for checking in with us from Washington, D.C. A lot of ag groups in our nation's capital, always this time of year, especially this year, it's important with so much going on, a lot of critical issues. They are there at uh, the right time to talk with decision makers and uh, stay in the loop on what's going on and get agriculture's message out. As we talked about, of course, one of the biggest topics of conversation continues to be the the battle over the RFS. And someone who's right in the middle of that, really, with a lot of his research is Scott Irwin, researcher at the University of Illinois. Scott, thanks for joining us again. We appreciate it. Always a pleasure, Mike. It's kind of a lot of this is a battle over research, and there are papers out there um, on both sides saying, you know, what, the impact or the effects of a cap on RINs would be. Uh, give us your thoughts on this because we continue to hear from the renewable fuels industry that they feel any cap would have a negative impact on the industry. Uh, what does your research tell you? Uh, I, my research says that that conclusion in principle is correct. Um, the key is to, to understanding this debate is to understand what the north star of the RFS, RFS is. Love it or hate it, it was passed into law as a technology-forcing program. That means that uh, it was the policy of the U.S. government, if you'd like to put it this way, to pick winners in our transportation fuel supply, and that ethanol and other kinds of biofuels were, uh, were winners. And if you cap the RINs below what the market says it takes for that technology forcing to work, then you attack the core of the law. And that's the essence of the uh, battle right there. Yeah, I keep saying this all the time, that the problem with the RFS for a lot of people in Washington, they're not used to policy actually working. <laughs> and this working the way it was intended, as you pointed out, and it just has a lot of people scrambling and constantly attacking it, trying to change it. Uh, it seems to me that, uh, and, and people have been saying this, uh, that, you know, there, it's a solution in search of a, of a problem here. Uh, but uh, if they do make some kind of a change to it, it would seem that is basically reopening the RFS, isn't it? And doesn't that open it up for other changes possibly down the line? Yes, absolutely. At least our reading here at the U of I is that a, the EPA does not have the authority on its own or the Trump administration uh, working, obviously, the EPA as a part of that, does not have the authority to put on a RIN price cap uh, because that would be creating effectively 
um, a backdoor means of waiving the RFS mandates. And again, which categories it applies to uh, will determine how severe those waivers would be, uh, but it, it clearly uh, goes against the congressional intent in setting up the RFS. Okay, let's, let's reemphasize that. It is your belief that the Trump administration does not have the authority to put on REN caps, thereby changing the RFS. So with that then, if, if they should happen to do that, does that kick it to Congress or to the courts or both? Uh, potentially both. Uh, clearly, there's an intent uh, by the coalition that is uh, trying to get the RFS changed, uh, principally out of oil country, uh, they clearly want to make uh, changes however they can get them, and they'll do it through Congress if they can, although that's probably doubtful. Um, they might try to convince the Trump administration to try it on their own. The biofuels groups have already announced that they agree that this is uh, a, a reasonable interpre- legal interpretation, and they'll sue in court, and I think that they would quickly win. We're talking with University of Illinois researcher Scott Irwin. Of course, Scott, those pushing for changes are pointing to a refinery, I believe, in Pennsylvania that went bankrupt, blaming Wrens. Uh, what's your take on that? What really happened, as you can tell, in that situation? Well, like uh, any uh, independent merchant refiner, they, they did have a fairly large Wrens bill. Uh, but... Uh, the first issue is, like all refineries, to, at least to some degree, they can pass those RIN expenses on. So the premise of their uh, RINs caused our bankruptcy is, number one, on that basis, questionable. But the other thing is is that it's pretty clear from follow-up anal- analyses that have appeared in the public press that their main problem uh, was not RINs. It was that they had set up uh, their... Uh, business model to try to take advantage of an unusually widespread between uh, what we call WTI crude oil here in the U.S. and Brent crude, uh, which is a a European price measure, and they were taking advantage of uh, what turned out to be a temporarily wide uh, spread there, in essence they could get cheap oil here in the U.S. for the refinery, and then that inevitably ended with some March gas adjustments and they were kind of high and dry. And so that's the number one reason that that bankruptcy, uh, that refinery went bankrupt. Another one is that the Carlisle Group, which I believe uh, invested in the refinery in 2012, you know, has made massive uh, cash, uh, taking cash payments out of that business. And I, um, I think uh, over $500 million. So uh, I think financing and cash is, is you know, Ultimately, they ran out of cash, but the uh, investors did just fine. Scott, the renewable fuels industry uh, uh, feels that if if there was an E15 waiver, in other words, if E15 was allowed to be sold year-round in the marketplace, more ethanol in the market would bring down the REN prices, and that's the way to go. Would you agree with that? Well, I can agree that uh, the solution to high D6 ethanol REN prices is to get actual domestic ethanol use above the magic 15 billion gallon mark, which is the statutory level of the ethanol mandate. That that we can agree on, and we're getting closer and closer because of increased gasoline consumption, uh, which means we get more ethanol use through E10. So the question is, you know, let's just throw out a number. Maybe we're 500 million gallons short of that, uh, 15 billion gallons. How do how do we push? up ethanol use that last 500 million gallons clearly an e uh a rvp waiver for e15 would help it would are we certain that that would get us over the magic 15 million uh, billion gallon mark i mean there's some uncertainty about that and how long it would take it would certainly help but i i, I don't think we have to be careful to say that it, it would automatically solve the problem well let's look at it from this standpoint too scott we know the shape of the ag economy right now uh, a lot of concern about grain prices and if if there was some type of cap put on rents and it had the negative impact then what what impact we're we going to see then on on corn prices on the corn market 
Well, you know, that's, that's cert- it would certainly be negative, and I think it would be certainly a short-run shock that would be noticeable. Um, we have to be careful that, as far as I can tell, my analysis suggests that the ethanol in E10 would be safe, that amount, uh, you know, and so that amount of corn grind used for the ethanol that goes into E10 would be safe. What would clearly be at risk would be the amount of corn that we're grinding for ethanol that goes into our higher blends right now, E15 and E85, and not exactly sure how much that is, but it's probably at least maybe 100 to 150 million bushels of corn use right now, maybe a little bit bigger. So that would certainly be uh, a shock and would have an impact uh, in the corn market. I don't think it would be huge, but a cap would, the biggest thing is, is that, and this might be the bigger market impact, is that it would um, shut off the possibility of further growth in those higher blends to get us over the 15 billion gallons. That, that's the more serious cost of a rent cap for the corn market. Well, I find it interesting, as you've pointed out, that the Trump administration really doesn't have the authority to uh, change the RFS, but yet here we are waiting the next White House meeting almost expecting that very thing to happen. Well, I am not going to predict what this White House will do. Uh, So um, uh, right now, my best personal guess is that the stalemate that we've basically been in for some time politically over the RFS um, is still the best expectation. Um, You know, the fact that the uh, oil refining interest were not able to push this process through to completion of getting a rim cap through the White House um, here in the last couple of weeks tells me that that's going to be um, you know a big boulder to move up the hill uh, politically. Um, and I'm not sure where it's going, but at least in the short run, we're not going to have a rim cap. Interesting. We'll we'll be watching closely. All right, Scott Irwin, University of Illinois researcher. Scott, as always, thank you for being with us. Uh, Anytime. All right. Coming up next, Canadian perspective on trade issues from Sean Haney with Real Agriculture. That's coming up next. You're listening to AOA Adams on Agriculture. Looking for a proven herbicide trait system this upcoming season? Look no further than the Liberty Link system. With a 2-plus bushel per acre yield advantage over Asgrow Roundup ready to extend. And superior weed control. Growers across the country are seeing phenomenal results. In fact, 97% of growers reported good to excellent performance. Ask your authorized seed dealer or retailer about the Liberty Link system. The highest rated soybean trait system in 2017. Learn more at libertylinkadvantage.bear.us. Always read and follow label instructions. Thousands of people contact InventHelp monthly about their invention or new product. Do you think companies would be interested in your idea? Do you want to try to get a patent? Call InventHelp now. Best of all, the call and information are free. InventHelp keeps your idea confidential, explaining every step of the invention process. Join people just like you who made the call to InventHelp. You have nothing to lose. The call and the information are free. Call 800-352-1402. That's 800-352-1402. Time for a market check here on Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson of the American Ag Network. In the grain and oil seed sector on this Tuesday trading session, we continue to see advances. We climbed in the overnight trade. Analysts saying that buying interest has carried over from Monday into this Tuesday market. The be supportive. The weather forecast for Argentina taking a wetter turn, but those rains too little too late in the eyes of some private exporters selling 210,000 metric tons of corn to South Korea buyers emerging in the corn market to support May on an intraday dip to 387 yesterday currently we're at 393 and three quarters up two and a half cents an hour into the day's trade for now Monday's new low at 1032 on May soybeans acting as support trading up seven at 1048. In the wheats, we are four to five and a half higher in Chicago wheat, eight to ten higher in Kansas City, Minneapolis spring wheat, four to seven and a fraction higher. 
In the outside markets, gold prices rising on this Tuesday, boosted by a weaker dollar, and after data showed U.S. consumer prices rose moderately in February. For livestock at the Merck Cattle Futures, backtracking on this Tuesday session, we have yet to see cash cattle activity in the central and southern plains. June live cattle down 17 cents at 113.10. Feeder cattle, April contract down 65 at 141.92. In lean hog futures, the April contract near unchanged down 2 cents, 67.65. Outside markets, the Dow up 168, NASDAQ up 32, S&P up 14, April crude oil in New York up 33. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson for the American Ag Network. If you or your family love the freedom of swimming any time of year, if you love sharing good times and making great memories, or if you want one of the best total body workouts ever, then it's time to discover the three C's of your very own endless pool. The first C is convenience. Imagine swimming year-round in your own private swimming pool, installed indoors or out just steps away. The second C is comfort. With sculpted spa seats and your own adjustable temperature, you can easily escape the stress of your day. And the third C is cost. Your endless pool is an affordable luxury at a fraction of the cost of a regular pool. And here's a bonus C, choice. Because when you call for your free endless pool idea kit, you'll receive information on our full line of pools to suit your budget and location. Call now for your free information, 800-717-0734, 800-717-0734. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. Welcome back. We like to uh, talk with the folks that are covering the news, uh, get different perspectives, and certainly someone I've uh, counted on for quite a while now to get the Canadian perspective on things. My good friend Sean Haney from Real Agriculture. You hear him on Sirius XM and a lot of other outlets. Sean, good to talk with you again. Yeah, Mike, it's great to chat with you. Congratulations on the, on the new show, and it's, uh, it's awesome to be on the program. Thank you very much. Well, let's get right into it. We haven't talked for a while, but a lot of things uh, have not really changed too much since we talked, and that is we're still waiting for a real breakthrough on NAFTA. And there seems, at times, we seem closer to a breakdown than a breakthrough, it seems like. Uh, what's the Canadian perspective on how these have progressed or the lack of progress, perhaps we could say? You know, I, I would say, Mike, that you're, you're entirely correct. This doesn't feel like it's moved very fast. I I think the the three countries, Canada, Mexico, and the U.S., probably had a little bit of high expectations that this was going to be completed by the, two, the end of 2017. It's looking at this point like we're going to have a 2019 with completion at the earliest. I think things have sort of played very nicely into Canada and Mexico's hands. I mean, it's to their benefit that this plays out as long as possible. And what, what we're seeing right now is we're going to be entering a bit of a dark period here where – the president and the administration is playing a very, very tough tactic with these 232 tariffs on steel and aluminum. And I think, I think what we're going to see is, is we heard exactly what Canadian Foreign Affairs Minister Christia Freeland talked about last week, is that this doesn't change the timeline whatsoever. So they're really calling the president's bluff, and we'll see if he, uh, what he does with that gamble. Yeah, I I find some of the comments curious. When Secretary Purdue, and I realize he has to put the best spin on this as he can, he's acknowledged agriculture's concerns about tariffs. But then he says, we're going to use these tariffs and this policy to get a better NAFTA deal. That seems like a a really tough sell. How's that playing in Canada? Well, it's it's not. You you know how it's it's, uh, probably playing. Not very well. I think everybody... The, the, pre, the, the trouble is here that by talking about using these steel tariffs, they're, they're doing it under the 232, which has to do with national security. So is it national security, or is are you trying to get a better deal? Because you know when, when this gets to the challenge of the WTO, the reality is you can't have the best of both worlds here. And, and that's really going to be an issue. And I, I, uh, you alluded to uh, Sonny Purdue, USDA Secretary's thoughts last week. You know, where, where he said, you know, the president has Canada and Mexico right where he wants them. I found that very interesting. 
I, I definitely know the Canadian officials don't agree with that because they're, they're fully aware of what this strategy is. The question is, Mike, I, or the, the, the comment that I think a lot of us in agriculture should be thinking about is, what happens when Canada and Mexico don't fold between now and the next round of NAFTA talks, and they do decide to apply these tariffs to Canada and Mexico and don't give them the carve-out? That's going to have a major impact on these talks, and, and Canada has tried its best to try to separate these tariffs from the NAFTA talks. Uh, they've been talking about that. Now, this is similar to what they did with softwood lumber and what they did in the dispute between Boeing and, and uh, Bombardier in the aircraft dispute. They, they left them out of the talks, they kept them separate, and they're trying to do the same thing here with steel and aluminum, but you know, the president continues to try to bring it in to see the same, same problem. He's using this as a hard-line negotiating tactic. We're talking with Sean Haney from Real Agriculture. Sean, joining us uh, uh, from from Canada, giving us the Canadian perspective on these things. Now, Sean, we have heard about the possibility of why don't we just have uh, bilateral deals, one with Mexico, one with Canada, uh, and kind of do away with the uh, the multilateral, the, the three countries all in one. Will that play with the folks in uh, the leaders in Canada? No, because, you know, they, once again, it's a pretty transparent strategy on the U.S.'s part in that regard, right? The, the reason that this administration likes the idea of the bilateral, the reason why they pulled out of the TPP, was because you can't hold one country accountable for the trade deficit that they are so focused on. Inside of a multilateral deal, it's much more difficult to, it's, it's more of a group thing. And so the, the fingers can get pointed in a lot of different directions instead of just on one country. Canada and Mexico have strangely really, really held together here. They have essentially turned this multilateral negotiation into a bilateral. Now, there are things that Canada and Mexico don't agree on, but at the same time, they have really stayed on the same page, and they've, they've really, really fought some of the administration's efforts to divide and conquer. And, and so Canada and Mexico, I think that that is going to be a last resort because they know where that's going to end up. It's one of the same reasons why the U.S. has had troubles under this administration to get going on bilateral deals because other people, other countries are looking at how Canada and Mexico are being treated in these negotiations and saying, cheapers, you know, do we want to go down that same track? And, and so, you know, Canada, from Canadian perspective, they've continued on with TPP that was signed last week and also announced that they're in talks with uh, Brazil, Argentina, Paraguay, and Uruguay starting last week. So it's uh, the multilaterals are still happening and it really looks like a lot of countries are showing some resistance to jumping into these bilateral sort of deals because they know what the outcome will be. So is Canada truly prepared to walk away from NAFTA? No. I, you know, Mike, I do not think that's their play. I think Canada and Mexico's play here is to force the U.S. to withdraw. So it, but I want to preface that to make sure I'm clear. Canada wants a deal. Okay, but if if this is going to fall apart, they are not going to fall for the trap of them folding their cards. They Canada and Mexico want this deal to happen, and if if it's gonna if there's going to be a withdrawal, they want the president to make that call because then he's accountable for that decision. If Canada and Mexico with if you know if they walk away, then it's well you know Canada and Mexico Canada and Mexico couldn't make a deal. They didn't want a deal. And so I really think that's why they're continuing on with this strategy, and they're willing to push this out to get the right deal. There are things that they definitely do not agree on amongst the three countries. Labor standards, the auto sector is the major hang-up, and of course, hey, you had Tom Bills back on your show last week. They haven't even got to dairy yet. So there's still some stuff to work out, and this is why it's going to take, it's going to take some time. I wanted to bring up dairy and the fact that there has not been any real significant move there. Is there any willingness uh, that you're hearing from the Canadian side or anything you're picking up on the U.S. side that would indicate there will be a, a move there and, and a deal can be struck? Well, when they do get to the dairy component of this file, what, what the U.S. is going to hear, Canada's position is going to be, listen, the U.S. Nego negotiated 3.25% under the TPP market access into Canada. By withdrawing from the TPP, the U.S. gave up the market access that Canada provided to them. Now Australia and New Zealand are going to pick up on, on that market access. So you're going to hear a lot. Canada's position is going to be, if you want dairy access and market access into Canada, come back to TPP. 
we're not going to give it to you in NAFTA. At least that's their starting point. Don't expect a huge amount of movement here from the Canadian dairy industry because it's, it's a very strong lobby, and their feet, their feet are firmly planted in the ground. So um, could I see some market access given? Yes, but not the 7 to 9 to 10% that some people are talking about. That would be ironic that it would circle back. You need to get back into TPP to get what you gave up when you got out of it just to move something forward in NAFTA. Yeah, it, no kidding. It, these, some of these things that don't go away, and it, it is a big circle. But, you know, hey, listen, there is a willingness, I think, amongst the 11 countries for the U.S. to eventually return to TPP. Uh, probably won't happen under this administration, maybe a future one, because, you know, President Trump's talking about, well, if I was to come back, you know, I would want to make, make it a better deal. I don't think there's going to be a big appetite amongst the 11 countries. They signed it. They want to get it implemented. They want to move on. If U.S. wants to come back, you know, come back under the terms that were, hey, you were a part of negotiating in the first place. So TPP does have a piece in this nasty talk. Sean, I keep bringing this up because I think agriculture, some will admit it, some are quiet about it, are, are nervous about the, uh, the Trump administration policies, and they're, they're trying to be hopeful and putting on a brave face that it's all going to turn out for the best, and hopefully it will. But it, it seems like in a lot more of these issues now, it has become Rust Belt versus uh, farm belt, and in these efforts to improve a lot of these things, a lot of things we've talked about seems to be more Rust Belt related, but uh, the farm belt's going to be impacted by it, and it's interesting to see how they're going to pull this off without totally alienate, alienating uh, that ag support. You know what? You're totally, you're totally right, Mike. This, this is, right from the beginning, you know, this has been one of the issues this administration's had to deal with. And currently, right now, they're showing, I think, a little bit more little bit more willingness to get some things through that are benefits to the Rust Belt and not necessarily positive for agriculture. Of course, agriculture wanted WOTUS to be gone, and it's it definitely on that path. Of course, agriculture is positive about the tax changes. They are not going to be positive about some of the things that are really, really pro-union that is happening right now, and the steel tariffs is one of them, because... Hey, listen, I know it's, it's really negatively impacting Canada, these steel tariffs, but obviously there's a lot of concern in the U.S. about retaliatory measures from China. And when you have one in, one in four soybeans going to, to, to China, that, that's a big concern. And it, it's really justified. And I, I said to somebody in the Canadian beef industry last week, you know, if the president can get, you know, he can be so, if unions can get his ear so much, why couldn't a group like RCAF, uh, and talk about, you know, preventing Canadian beef or putting a higher tariff on Canadian beef coming south. I think there's a lot of things open for discussion here. I don't want to, you know, fear monger about it, but I think there's got to be a lot of concern in the agriculture, not only in the Midwest, but other areas, on what exactly is the trade policy of this administration. Because right now, it doesn't look very friendly to our industry. Sean, always good to talk with you. We'll stay in touch. Thanks a lot. Hey, for sure, Mike. Thanks a lot for having me. I appreciate it. Take care. Sean Haney with Real Agriculture. Well, he mentioned waters of the U.S. Yeah, that was a big part of agriculture support for President Trump. Steps have been taken to do away with waters of the U.S., but it takes a while, and it's really in the courts right now. We're going to get an update on waters of the U.S. from Ellen Steen, General Counsel for the American Farm Bureau Federation, next on Adams on Agriculture. I live alone. So when I slipped and fell in the kitchen last month and couldn't get to a phone, that's when I knew I needed Life Alert. With just one press of this button, I'm connected to the Life Alert Center, where I can get the help I need, even when I cannot reach a phone. With Life Alert, I'm never alone. For a free Life Alert brochure, call 800-981-2126. That's 800-981-2126. Call now at 800-981-2126 to get a free brochure. Thousands of people contact InventHelp monthly about their invention or new product. Do you think companies would be interested in your idea? Do you want to try to get a patent? Call InventHelp now. Best of all, the call and information are free. InventHelp keeps your idea confidential, explaining every step of the invention process. Join people just like you who made the call to InventHelp. You have nothing to lose. The call and the information are free. Call 800-352-1402. That's 800-352-1402. 
All right, guys. We're ready for our four-season sunroom, and Daddy's going to get a rec room with refreshments. Oh, no. We'll be sleeping under the stars. Mom, what about the one with, you know, the fun? Nice try, little bro. It's a gym. My gym. Hey, Grandma's getting her Four Seasons garden room. Weather tight and still like being outdoors. Maybe a living room. Oh, no, wait. A family hub. Yeah! No matter what the budget, the season, or the climate, Four Seasons Sunrooms let you and your family enjoy the outdoors inside. Call now to hear more about these great offers from the premier manufacturer of sunrooms since 1975. More reasons for Four Seasons Now. To find out more, call toll-free 800-988-4477. That's 800-988-4477. Call 800-988-4477 today. Fastline.com is changing the equipment buying game. Fastline has just released its newest feature, the price comparison tool. The price comparison tool is the first of its kind in the ag equipment market. It's designed to help quickly compare equipment by price, make, and model. Using the price comparison tool, you can see if an item is below, above, or right at average price for similar equipment. Use this game changer right now at FastLine.com. Looking for a proven herbicide trait system this upcoming season? Look no further than the Liberty Link system. With a 2-plus bushel per acre yield advantage over Asgrow Roundup ready to extend and superior weed control, growers across the country are seeing phenomenal results. In fact, 97% of growers reported good to excellent performance. Ask your authorized seed dealer or retailer about the Liberty Link system, the highest rated soybean trait system in 2017. Learn more at libertylinkadvantage.bear.us. Always read and follow label instructions. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, the inventor of my pillow. And like all of you out there, I had problems sleeping. Pillows would go flat. I would flip-flop all night long. I would wake up with a sore neck, maybe a headache, or feel like I needed a nap even though I slept eight hours. When I invented my pillow, I wanted it to where you could move the patented fill to give you the exact support you need as an individual, regardless of sleep position. My pillow will get you into that deep sleep faster and you will stay there longer. It's not about how much time we spend in bed. It's about how much of that quality sleep we get. I do all of my own manufacturing right here in the United States. I have a 10-year warranty. You can wash and dry my pillow, and I give you a 60-day money-back guarantee so you have nothing to lose. My pillow now offers 50% off their four-pack special. That's two premium pillows and two go-anywhere pillows, 50% off. Go to MyPillow.com or call 800-871-7280 and use promo code FARM11. 50% off MyPillow's four-pack special. Go to MyPillow.com or call 800-871-7280 and use promo code FARM11. ESN is a responsive nitrogen. That means it does something amazing. This. That's the sound of ESN getting ready. Carefully, quietly calculating the exact moment to respond to your plant's needs. Why is that amazing? Because while other nitrogen might denitrify, volatilize, or leach away, ESN stays put inside its polymer coating, saving your nitrogen investment until the same triggers that spur plant growth tell ESN it's time to get busy and deliver the nitrogen your plants need. And ESN's controlled release technology means your plants get season-long feeding. Remember, when it comes to nitrogen, this beats and every time. Effective nitrogen, that's a given. Responsive nitrogen, that's amazing. That's ESN. Go to smartnitrogen.com to learn more. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Welcome back. Well, agriculture may have some concerns and questions about some of the uh, Trump administration policies, but uh, one that they're fully behind is repeal of the waters of the U.S. rule. And uh, that was a big part of uh, the campaign, of course. And the president has taken steps to repeal that and come up with a new one. But it is a process, a lengthy process, and uh, some of it out of the hands of the president, quite frankly, right now in the courts. And we're going to get an update on the situation. Joining us now is Ellen Steen, General Counsel for the American Farm Bureau Federation. Ellen, thank you for joining us. Good to talk with you again. Give us an update. Where are we on uh, the judicial side of WOTUS? Oh, good morning, Mike. Thanks for having me. Um, 
we had a lot of balls in play right now. Things are very busy um, in the courts and very busy with the rulemaking. Um, I can tell you about a couple of things. Um, uh, you know, the nationwide stay that had blocked the, uh, the Obama uh, WOTUS rule uh, had to be lifted because the Supreme Court found that that court never had jurisdiction over the rule. So uh, we're back down in district court now. All the parties who are challenging that 2015 rule are back in the federal district courts trying to revive those lawsuits, try to get some uh, a stay back in place to block that rule from going into effect. Meanwhile, the uh, EPA under the new administration is also trying to delay that rule from going into effect while it can carry out this rulemaking process, which, as you said, is going to take some time. So what is the law of the land right now? Is the obama WOTUS rule in effect right now? Right now, uh, the, the Obama rule is not in effect because the agency has issued a new uh, temporary rule to change the, they're calling it the applicability date, the date when that rule will be applied uh, to delay that by two years to 2019. And that's intended to give the agency time, because it does take time, to go through the process of uh, deciding, making a final decision, hopefully to repeal that rule. Um, and then we hope uh, to, uh, to begin and, and finalize the process of writing a new definition that might make clear rules for everybody that we could, could live with. Um, but, and here's a big but, that temporary rule to delay the um, application of the Obama rule has been challenged in court, too. So there's a whole new wave of lawsuits that have been filed by the environmental groups um, challenging that delay rule. And they're arguing it's invalid, it's illegal, uh, it's void, and they're doing basically everything they can to make the 2015 Obama rule go into effect while we're doing everything we can, and of course the, the administration is also, to keep it from going into effect to maintain status quo while we go through this process. Wow, this is so complicated. And we, it is. We talked, I apologize. We talk, <laughs> no, you're, you're explaining it very well. It's just It shows how many layers to this there is. And it goes back, I remember the conversations we were having uh, once uh, the president was elected and one of the things he was going to do was get rid of WOTUS. And we said at the time, it's not that clear cut. It's not that simple. A lot of steps have to be taken. And, and now even more steps maybe than we thought. Right. And, and believe me, even when the administration does, and we hope they will, reach a final decision to repeal that Obama rule, that's going to be challenged, too. Um, this thing is going to be in the court for, courts for years. Um, it's, uh, it, 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 it is complicated, um, and it's going to be a long and drawn-out process, um, and we're going to have to keep up the, the fight on all fronts. All right. So... Is there any kind of immediate timeline you see? I mean, as far as court rulings, uh, what's the next step that might be taken? We, we are expecting a decision any day, uh, literally any day, from the district court in Texas. We've asked that court for a nationwide stay. That would just provide some additional protection in case the environmentalists are successful in challenging the delay of the rule. So we could get a decision on that any day. Uh, the government and we have also um, asked to have um, those challenges by the environmentalists uh, to that delay rule move to uh, the district court in Texas, which we think is a, is a good court, and that would get everything consolidated in one place. So there are going to be some decisions probably in the real short term on some of those um, skirmishes, uh, big, and, big and little. Um, but uh, And then, of course, the big deal will be uh, when is EPA going to manage to uh, make a final decision on repeal? Um, we think that that's actually going to take some time, uh, and we want them. We want them to take their time to do it right. So, if we can just keep our finger in the dike and keep this uh, Obama rule from going into effect uh, for some time, we'd like for the agency to to take their time and do this right, so that it's gonna it's gonna stand the test of time. So you have to play some defense keep the Obama rule at bay while you're going on offense to get a new rule and 
do we have any idea what the administration is thinking as far as what the new rule would look like? They've been in the information gathering stage. They've been going through a real, a real, um, uh, I think, thoughtful process of reaching out and getting input. Um, and uh, and no, I, I haven't seen, haven't seen or heard anything. I think they're not going to predetermine it. They're going to get a lot of input from a lot of people. I do know everything we've heard from the agency is um, very positive in that they want to make the new definition of waters of the U.S something that works on the ground, something that people can can see, uh, something that looks like water. Doesn't that sound refreshing? Uh, mm-hmm. Something that looks like water, that, uh, that without a team of lawyers and without taking it all the way to the Supreme Court, an ordinary person might be able to, to recognize. Um, so, so that's a really positive thing, and we hope they get there. But the bottom line is, don't expect resolution of this issue anytime soon. It's going to be a while. No, no time soon. No time soon. And, and uh, we're going to be doing everything we can to get there, but it's going to take some time. Ellen, as always, thank you for the update. And as we get more information, uh, we look forward to talking with you again, okay? Thank you, Mike. Appreciate it. Ellen Steen, General Counsel for the American Farm Bureau Federation. So that's where it stands on waters of the U.S., waiting for more court rulings and a lot more procedures, legal wranglings, uh, policies from uh, the agency, from EPA, a long ways to go on this. Well, thanks to all of our guests for being with us today. Coming up tomorrow, we'll talk more about trade. We're going to talk about land values coming up tomorrow as well, plus much, much more. Hope you'll join us. Have a great day, everyone. Thanks for being with us on AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Tired of yesterday's missed weeds becoming today's big problem? Get rid of missed weeds for good with Liberty, the herbicide that puts an end to missed weeds, guaranteed. Plus, Liberty is proven effective on tough-to-control and resistant grasses and broadleaf weeds. So choose Liberty, the simply better solution for superior weed control, backed by the Liberty Weed Control Guarantee. Talk to your retailer to learn how you can qualify for the Liberty Guarantee. Always read and follow label directions. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. We're excited to explore the topics that make a difference to agriculture. The Farm Bill, immigration reform, reducing regulations, trade, new technology, as well as infrastructure and health care. Through the year, Adams on Agriculture will originate on location from several major national meetings and events. Subscribe to the show's podcast at AmericanAgNetwork.com. We're proud of our new affiliates. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network.